Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. A nation's history binds its people together with common philosophy, common traditions, and a sense of belonging to a community of souls past, present, and future that inhabit one place on earth. A person who knows that history understands the bond of respect, honor, loyalty, and duty he shares with his fellow citizens. He knows that he is part of a long line of patriots that extends from the beginning and well into the future. There was a time when classes in American history were required for all students to graduate from high school. There was a time when each school day began with the Pledge of Allegiance and prayer to reinforce that sense of morality and the patriotic emotion required to perpetuate the spirit of a nation. That is why dictators erase the history of the people they conquer. Persons separated from their past are easy prey for the lies and immoral actions a tyrant needs to control a population. When history is no longer taught in schools, when available history is outright propaganda, and when discussions about the past are forbidden, where can we turn to rekindle those important memories? The repository of history lies within ourselves and the memories of previous generations. The stories told by our parents and grandparents are the only true source we have left to teach us and to teach our children the lessons of the past, what life was like for real people, and give us the moral and practical teaching we need to live our own lives in our own time. After our commercial break, we'll return with our guest on Freedom Forum Radio, Dwight Moss, a man of many talents and a long history of service to America. This is Dr. Dan. We are back with Dwight Moss. Dwight, welcome as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Dwight Moss is a well-known member of our community, a dedicated American patriot, a Marine foot soldier in Vietnam, a pastor, 
and chaplain of VFW Post 7807. Dwight, your life story is filled with bits and pieces of knowledge that we all need to hear, and most importantly, we all need to learn from. I know you grew up as a farm boy. What was life like for you as a child? Well, it was it was varied. I uh, wound up uh, with my mom and my stepdad moving around quite a lot. I think I was in about 10 different schools by the time I was in the 10th grade. Uh, but as we go through that period, uh, I moved in at about the age of 14 to help my grandparents, which was very uh, interesting part of my life. And because of limited electri- electricity, no plumbing, wood heaters and wood cook stoves, and uh, I was the I was a person to supply the water and the wood and uh, all those things, plus to take care of the chores before school and after school. So that was an interesting period. It learned, uh, what it taught me, when you turn the water on, you begin to use energy, whether it's a pump or whatever it is. And if you turn the hot water on, you're using more energy because you have to heat that. And in my day, uh, early days, we had to heat it with wood. So we had to bring the wood in in order to do all that. And if we wanted a hot bath, it required chopping wood and uh, carrying water and building fires. So the energy you're talking about was your energy, personal yes. Yes. personal energy. Personal energy, yes, sir. And so that must have taught you a few things because nowadays when you turn on the faucet, the water comes out. Most kids have no idea where that even came from. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm very aware of that. Uh, that can be uh, – I get. well, I think it is a good gift. But uh, I sometimes get a little bit overly concerned about waste. So I'm not one to uh, – I, I believe in being liberal with myself and what my assets, what I have. But I, I uh, kind of frown on waste. I do not like to waste energy, waste money. or I'd rather have that money to give to someone than to waste it. I bet you'd understand if I said waste not, want not. Yes, sir. You went sir. through that, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I I think anyone who was raised by someone who lived through the Great Depression probably would have taught their kids that. And I know my certainly my grandparents and my parents were of that generation. And I probably heard that phrase once a day, maybe more. And to this day, uh, I don't throw a whole bunch of things out if I think there's a possibility they could be used in the future. How about you? Yes, I'm. A, I'm. Well, it's almost uh, to a, a bad point because I keep too many things, but I do eventually unload things or give them away. Things that I'm not using or don't need, and uh, uh, it was. Uh, well, you know, going back, uh, I, I think about what I did with my grandparents. Gosh, I plowed a horse. We we put in crops, uh, uh, and we did not have a tractor or any motor. The horse pulled the wagon, the horse pulled the sled. Uh, when we brought in corn, when we brought in hay, whatever it was, the horse was involved when there were heavy loads. And uh, and then cultivating uh, with a horse is something that most people today that are a little younger than me know little of. So what was that like? What is it like to actually plow with a horse? Well, it's uh, it's quite pleasant, really, uh, if you got good bottom land and you got a a good plow and a 
and a horse that's obedient. And uh, we had horses that knew when to G and when to haw. That means right or left. And uh, it uh, just turning that ground uh, is a unique feeling. And uh, and getting the soil in your hands is a unique feeling. Uh, and I don't know why exactly, except uh, you're close to the earth, and uh, being close, uh, it, it gives you something that most people don't experience. You know, working, I mean, we've had horses, obviously, and we and I do have a tractor, so I didn't have to do that because it's modern times. <clears throat> but I always like the smell of the earth when you turn it over, don't you? It's, yes, it smells good. It's something uh, that's neat. And uh, actually, uh, if I wasn't working the horse, I wanted shoes on, but if I was hoeing or doing something of that nature, walking or walking through plowed ground was refreshing. I mean, you're not getting dirty. You're getting close to the earth. You know. So you learned a lot of skills that are no longer needed. Yes, yes. But they are, in, in, in essence... They're learning skills, aren't you? Yes, yes, they are. And so, what did, kind of things did you learn by all that? I mean, uh, it's just a unique experience in today's world. What What did that mean to you as part of your upbringing? Well, it uh, it gives you or gave me a keen appreciation, not only for life, but uh, for the ease of getting in the car and riding down the road. I'm appreciative of that. A bit because I know there were times that I walked most places. I even walked to church with my grandparents. So that was uh, we didn't we didn't drive. We walked, and uh, you you appreciate being able to turn a light bulb on. You know you appreciate the water when it comes out. You know you know <laughs> that there's energy somewhere that produces that water that comes out of your faucet, and so uh, you have a keen awareness of of the gifts of God that we have in our life. You know, in that day, uh, you mentioned walking to church, uh, and that that's an important experience for you, wasn't it? Because church was a family experience. Yes. Very importantly so. And in those days, churches were local. They weren't big mega churches with, TV screens and all that kind of stuff. They were a little small. They're church. walking distance. <laughs> they, were, they were in walking distance, and all the other people who belonged were also walking with you, weren't they? Well, some of them were. Some of them had transportation, uh, like on my grandparents on the Moss side. They had an old truck, and and so he seemed like my grandfather on the Moss side had that truck. My grandpa on my mom's side had a horse. <laughs> and so that was the way to get to the store or whatever. Uh, so they, and of course, they had rolling stores in those days, which are probably, I don't know if you've heard of those, but uh, they would come around. And uh, then to, my grandmother would sometimes trade eggs or butter or something to, for some of the produce that she would get. And uh, But that was a regular thing, and I learned to eat ripe bananas because they didn't bring any of the good ones around. So uh, uh, <laughs> it was they were a little on the dark side when you peeled them. So life was a little different back then, wouldn't you think? It was different, yes. It was, it was different, and, uh, you know, uh, you could say that I lived with poor grandparents, but, you know, we did not recognize that. I'm just thinking about 
how wonderful it is to come in and sit down at the table on a regular basis. We had our meals in the morning. By the time I got back from the barn, my grandmother would have breakfast ready. And so uh, I would change clothes, get ready to go to school, and eat breakfast, and hot cook breakfast every morning. And so, and it was a family thing. It was, uh, it had a warmth about it um, that we often miss today. Well, that's one thing that I always think is is really important. And, and one of the reasons that things worked, really worked so well when you were a child in that era was that everything was centered around the family. Yes. The family was the nucleus of your life. Yes, it was. And that really makes that impression on you because you had examples of moral, of moral examples and, and examples of truth and honesty around you all the time to show you how to live. Isn't that what's missing today? We're missing a lot of that. We're missing a lot of the closeness. And uh, uh, it's, um, I see it in my grandchildren and uh, the focus, especially with uh, phones, and I have one. Uh, and we all, about all of us have one today. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's been a few years back that I went into uh, my uh, stepdaughter's house and uh, uh, her daughters had friends over. A group of friends and I went in and uh, they weren't talking. They were on the they were on their little phones or a computer, and so there's no real true togetherness. They were there, but they were there separately. And I understand what you're saying, and I think that that is one of the important things about having a f- nuclear family centered life. What you had when you can just sit down and scarf down your food and run out the door. You talked. Oh yes, yes. You talked to your your mom, your dad, your grandparents, whoever was around the table. You sat there, and sometimes they discussed things that were kind of above you. But I bet you were listening, weren't you? Well, yes. You pay attention, and uh, well, it's uh, I'm the oldest of eight, and um, you know we all ate at the same time together. They wasn't spot here and there and sitting over here and over there watching or TV or anything of that nature. It was we were having food together. We were breaking bread together. So, uh, and that was the norm. It wasn't an unusual thing. Like sometimes getting families together, it's a special time because it doesn't happen like it once did. Well, you know, when you're raising children in today's era, uh, there are a lot of activities that children are involved in, whether it's sports or school or clubs or whatever, or friends. Uh, and one thing that uh, we did, my wife and I, is that we insisted that we have one meal together every week, and that was Sunday night dinner. And there was no excuses allowed for being absent. And if you wanted to bring a friend, well, that was fine. I didn't care how many people were sitting around the table. But I found that was the opportunity to sit and talk, to talk with our children and their friends about what's important. And yes. uh, there's everything good comes from that. So you also mentioned uh, going to church as a child. Right. That was an important part of your life, wasn't it? Well, it was. It wasn't. Uh, I didn't see it as much as as important as, as I should have, probably. But uh, it was an important part of my life. And uh, and these 
lat, well, yeah, I guess the last 40, 50 years, it's been important in my life. But you were nevertheless part of a church-going family. Yes. You sat in church on Sundays with your family. And uh, that must bring up some special memories for you. Oh, yes, yeah. Well, the church I went to, and I remember it more with my grandfather, uh, because he would go down there and build a fire in the heater, because at that time, the church was heated with wood. Uh, so uh, uh, we'd go down, and I remember that. And I remember, uh, yeah, I remember more church with my grandparents than I do with my mom. It was just, uh, it, they were consistent, consistent. And I think with the, my family moving around, it became inconsistent. You know, it's, it wasn't as seriously uh, emphasized as much. But my grandparents on both sides went to church every Sunday. I don't know how often besides that. But that was a normal thing. Was there any recreation at that time that you engaged in as a child? Well, as a child, we, uh, we made truck wagons. Uh, and that's a wood wagon. That's, uh, the axles are wood. The wheels are wood. We, uh, we would make those axles and those wheels. We'd have to drill holes in them, and, uh, and we'd drag them up the mountain to go down. Uh, I don't even know how we survived some of the down because it was pretty steep mountains. where I lived in Shooting Creek at that time. And, uh, and you know, when we were younger, we had all kinds of little cars to play with. They were different shaped rocks on the on the road bank, and we'd just get up and make our driveways and highways. And <laughs> how about fishing? Did you go fishing as a, a kid? little bit, uh, mainly with some older adults, but a, a little bit of fishing. Not as much, probably that. I would be a better fisherman today for my grandkids. I guess we'd have done more of it. No, that's that's interesting. One of my childhood memories is my father, my father's father. Uh, and and we lived about equidistant from a lake, uh, them and him in one direction, and we in the other. And on on Sundays when we chose to, we would drive together, my grandfather and my father and I, and we would fish. And that is one of the most cherished of my childhood memories: is uh, fishing with my grandfather and and my father together. Uh, you learn a lot fishing, you know. You do. Uh, well, we went uh, fishing. We mainly cut cane poles and put some line on that and a hook and uh, fished. And uh, I think we just fished as an activity. We liked to build a little fire and, you know, and fish uh, along the lake. We weren't that far from the lake. And so we were able to do that uh, along the shoreline. So what else did you do as a child that we would like to hear about? Well, we cut grapevines and swung out grapevines. Uh, we climbed a lot of trees. Uh, we climbed trees that you could swing from one tree to the next and keep swinging until you got around to where you swung one right down to the ground. And uh, some people get nervous about kids climbing, but we never turned loose. So we, we all survived our climbing experience. Well, you know, we've been talking here with, with Dwight Moss about his childhood uh, some of you may think that spending this amount of time talking about childhood is, I don't know, the past or whatever, but I think it's important because we've learned an awful lot of things from Dwight Moss about what life was like uh, when he grew up. And a lot of those ideals, a lot of those activities 
uh, are things that are missing today. They're missing from our families today, which is one of the reasons we're having so many of the problems uh, that we're having. Um, so reliving those memories through my guest, Dwight Moss, uh, is really something that I think was very important to do. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything.